Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. For much of the last decade, the Green Bay Packers have had one of the most reliable and best kickers in the NFL, Mason Crosby. But Crosby is struggling mightily this season. With the playoffs right around the corner, how concerned should the Packers be about Crosby's kicking issues? Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm elated to be joined this week and every week by Rob Reichel, the highly reliable Packers beat writer and author. Greetings, Rob. Wow, you're going to have to do my eulogy someday, Gary, because your, your, your intros just get better and better, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I wish I had you as a professor in college. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're elated. I'm reliable. That's those aren't things I hear, you know, around my house a lot of times, Gary, when I walk in the door. No, and I, I wish people were that elated to see me in my own house. There you are. Well, I, I'm happy you're here as usual every week, and uh, you know, to get this thing started, Rob. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mason Crosby, uh, perhaps the greatest kicker in Packers history. And uh, going into the season, his only so-called subpar season was, uh, what, in 2012, where he made like 63% of his field goals. But Crosby isn't doing much better this year. What is he at, like 65%, if I'm not mistaken? He's made 15 to 23 field goals and just nine of his last 17. He ranks last in the NFL. And I think last time I checked, there were 12 kickers, 12 kickers who had a kicking percentage of 88% or better. And uh, Rob, uh, how concerned do you think the Packers should be about uh, Mason Crosby's uh, issues here? Yeah, I think it's a 10 out of 10 at this point, Gary. You know, they've, they've tried to pin this on, on the long snapper. They've tried to pin it on the holder. And some of that was fair, Gary. Um, you know, they, they switched out the long snapper two, three weeks ago. Uh, Bohorquez has struggled getting the laces turned the right way, but he's, he's been spot on Gary. The last two weeks, all those holds have been absolutely perfect. And Crosby continues to miss, which is inexplicable. You know, Gary, the, I think you said he's, he's nine of his last 17. The numbers are actually even worse than that. He's six of his last 14, Gary. Um, which is, which is, I think about 43%. Um, he's, he hit his first nine of the year, Gary. And since then he's six out of 14. I mean, think about that eight misses, six makes that that's absolutely unbelievable. The eight misses Gary are more than any kicker in the league. Like you said right now, he's on pace for the second worst year of his career. He's at 65.2%. He was 63-6 in 2012, Gary. So he's only 1.6% higher than that year where they almost cut him late November, early December. And there was a stretch in that year where Mike McCarthy wouldn't even use him, Gary. They'd they'd have fourth and seven at somebody's 20. And instead of kicking the 37-yard field goal, McCarthy would say, screw it, let's go for it. Um, They're almost back to that, Gary. Right now, you know, Lafleur continues to say all the right things. And what else is he going to do at a podium, right? Um, he, he, he's not going to rip his kicker. There's no upside to that. Um, but, Gary, he's got to be on the thinnest of thin ice right now. That This is a team as beat up as they are. Um, started, started Sunday's game in Minnesota, Gary, down seven preferred starters. Once they lost Jenkins to the ACL, that made eight preferred starters i mean gary they don't have much room for air they they were blowing people out last year i think their i think their plus minus differential gary a year ago was about plus 160 mm-hmm. um i mean they, they, they hammered people last right. year they're not doing that right now they're not doing that this year they they have very little margin for air and, and it's largely gary because they've lost so many really good football players through the course of the year and and i know we'll get into that here later in the show um, but Gary, these games come down to simple things like extra points and field goals. And you don't have any faith in your kicker that, you know, that that's a lot of trouble. He misses a 32 yarder on Sunday in Minnesota. 
And Gary, he makes that. And we're talking about that game going to overtime instead Absolutely. of Green Bay losing 34, 31. That's an overtime game. Yep. I mean, Gary, you and I across the state as connoisseurs of football, we watch high school kids week after week, make 32 yard field goals in their sleep. This isn't a high level degree of difficulty. Kudos to Crosby. He hit the 54 yarder to start the game, but he's paid to do that, Gary. And like you said, right now, you know, over the last five, six, eight years, the degree of, you know, the, the quality of kicker has, has hit yep. an all time high, Gary, you know, on an average year, you'll have half the league convert close to 90% of, you, of, of their field goals. I think you said right now there's a dozen or more at 88%. Correct. And, and that's, that's kind of the norm right now. I mean, if you're not hitting 85 to 90% and even then some, you, you've got to be concerned when the season is over, if that particular team is going to bring you back. I mean, Gary, even when Crosby showed up back in 07, the league was a little bit different. Kickers weren't as good as they were today. Crosby's first four years in the league, Gary, he was under 80%. He was 79, 79, 75, and 79. Gary, so his first four years, he's under 80%. And there was never discussion in Green Bay of moving on from him. That was just the norm. It wasn't until he bottomed out in 2012, and he was at that 63.6% that year, that there was discussion. And then he kind of he rebounds and he saves his career. You know, kudos to him. He comes back with some of the best years, you know, of his life. He goes... He goes 89, 82, 86, 87, the next four years. And, and Gary, you know, these last two, 19 and 20, have been the best years of his career. Yeah. He was 92, he was 92% in 19. He was at a hundred, he was at a hundred percent in 2020 and father time gets everybody right. Maybe it got Mason here in the last, in the last 12 months. Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe he doesn't trust that, you know, the long snapper and the holder, to the level that he's trusted the Brett Goods of the world and the JK Scott's, you know, of, in terms of getting the ball down and, and, and things to that effect, Gary, you know, that when, when you start messing with the whole operation, I guess there's a, there's a reason for concern mentally from the kicker standpoint, but, but Gary, these guys are together all day, every day, every week. I mean, if, if, if yeah. they can't, get, if they can't get that operation figured out, then something's got to change. And we're to the point now, Gary, where, you know, if, if you're the Packers and you're Brian Gutekunst, you've already changed the, the long snapper and you like the new guy. You, you've got a punter who you totally trust who's doing a damn good job getting the ball down the last few weeks. The only person left to change is Mason Crosby, Gary. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, I, I brought this up either last week or the week before on our podcast, but Rob, I think every kick that he has missed, he has pulled. Uh, even on Sunday when it hit the upright, it was the, on the left side, the, the left upright. He's pulling everything, it seems like. And I don't know if he's trying to overcompensate or not, but that's the issue. I mean, if, if he you know quits pulling them left, he'll be fine. But uh, that hasn't happened. Hey, uh, theoretically, what do you think happens if he has another bad game on Sunday against the Rams? If, if you're the Packers, do you go out and uh, bring some kickers in and work them out? Or do you say, ah, no, he's our guy. We're going to ride him till the end. Gary, if this is the last dance and, and I still expect that it is, and, and, and you're kind of all in and you're, you're all or nothing this year with Rogers. I know Rogers loves Crosby, Gary, but you, you've got, you, you've got the extra week there after this week with the Rams, yeah. you have to buy so, so you have an extra seven days to figure this whole thing out, figure out who you like on the street, bring them in for workouts, evaluate if they're better than Crosby. I mean, Gary, you're doing your team a disservice if you think somebody on the street is better than the guy you have in the current position. And in the way Crosby has kicked, you know, the last seven, eight weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, Gary, since he's been in this ridiculous funk, I guess it started with that Bengals game when he missed four in a row. You, you, you've got to say to yourself, if, if there's a better option, we've got to go ahead and do it. I think that's where they're at Gary. And you know, there, there, there's a, there's a ton of pressure on Crosby and, you know, really that whole operation, I think heading into, you know, the, the, this Rams game come Sunday, Gary. I mean, if he's one for three, if he's two for four, even if they win the game and it's close or they lose the game and it's close and you can point back to the field goal kicker, 
as being the difference in that game, Gary. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, hey, thanks for the memories. It's been a remarkable run since you showed up as a seventh round pick in 2007. But, but if the Packers are all in, Gary, to chase a Super Bowl championship this year, and again, I think they're going to get healthier, and I think they should be all in for chasing that championship. And it appears they are all in, and they're going to have a chance in a wide open National Football League, Gary then you've got to do everything possible to give yourself, you know, a chance to win these games. Gary, like I said, they're not going to blow anybody out in the playoffs. They wouldn't blow anybody out in the Super Bowl. They're going to win close games. It's going to come down to a kick here or there potentially. And and if you don't trust this guy, you've got to move on from him. So, no, I, I Matt LaFleur, Gary, you and I are doing this Monday night. Matt LaFleur stood by his man on Monday, said all the right things about Crosby at his, at his weekly press conference. But, but Gary, I, I think upstairs in management right now, Crosby's in a heck of a lot of heck of a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think that's one of the mistakes pro teams make is, is being overly loyal to some of their guys. And uh, I think I brought this up with you, uh, in the past, there, there was an NBA playoff game, not a game, but an NBA series in 2001 when the Bucks went to the Eastern Conference Final. And Lindsey Hunter, who had been just absolutely marvelous off the bench, one of the best six men in the NBA, went into a funk. And he couldn't make layups. You know, it was, it was just ridiculous. Yet George Carroll, because of his loyalty to Hunter, stuck with him. And there are some people, NBA people, that think, hey, the Bucks blew an opportunity to go to the finals because George stood by his man. And I get it, but you're, you're absolutely right. When, you, when you're on the cusp of possibly doing something special, you got to make tough decisions. And I think Brian Gutekunst is going to face one of his toughest ones in the next week or two. Gary, look at the Brewers this last year or two, right, with Christian Yelich. I mean, a guy, a guy who, you know, yes. couldn't hit, who couldn't great, hit Sunday Great example. Night, great example. Who, who, who couldn't hit, you know, Sunday afternoon home talent league pitching at, at this, you know, point where he kind of is, is, you know, the downward spiral his career has been on. And, and I get it. He makes a lot of money, but, but that's irrelevant when you get to the playoffs. Exactly. And, you know, the bottom line is, are, are you putting the best lineup on the field? Is, is Are you putting out a lineup that is fair to the other you know, 24 players on the roster in Yelich's case, or in Green Bay's case, the other 52 guys, right? Inside yeah. that locker room. If, yeah. if, if Crosby is not the best option, if, if, there are, if there is a guy on the street that you feel gives you a better chance to win, then you've got to go ahead and do it, Gary. So, no, I, I think without question, uh, Crosby is at an incredible crossroads here in, in, in his career again. Um, no matter what happens, Gary, I think I'd be surprised if he's back for year 16, just financially green, green Bay is going to clean out some money when the, when the season ends and Crosby's an easy one to get off the books and, and they'll go young and cheap and draft a kicker in the seventh round again. And, and hope he turns out to have, you know, even half the career Mason Crosby has, you know, again, Crosby's had a remarkable run, Gary, you know, he's double anybody else in terms of the all-time leading scorer in Packer history. I mean, he's had an incredible, incredible 15 seasons over there, but something isn't right. Yep. And if he winds up costing you a game that costs you home field and then he ends up winding you, uh, costing you a playoff game, Gary, you know, it, it, it's going to be so easy to look back and say, man, why didn't they make that move at the end of November? Why didn't they make that move at the start of December? And I don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to be patient. And I don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to be loyal, Gary. And if, and if Crosby has another bad week or something like that, um, I, you, you could easily see them change that position over. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, this is kind of an unfair question, but I've posed unfair questions to you in the past and uh, you handled, handled them with a blomb. So here's the question. Who's out there that could possibly replace Crosby? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, I, I have no idea. I haven't kept track of kickers, but you look at all the kickers around the league there there's a lot of really good kickers uh probably walking the streets right now that nobody's gone after because of most teams satisfaction with their own kickers so do you know anybody off the top of your head that would uh, fit that criterion of coming in and helping the packers 
Yeah, you know, Gary, I I apologize. I haven't done that homework at at this point in time. I don't know yeah. exactly. You know, some some of the big guys. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head that that are out there. You know, Jacksonville had that kid Josh Lambo kick for a long time. Yeah, he's actually a state product. He he spent a year in Middleton, and then he went he then he went he I think he went to Texas, and he he played uh, professional soccer before he became a um, an NFL kicker. He's a terrific athlete. But Jacksonville, I know, cut him about a month ago. I don't know, Gary. I think that Eddie Panero, who had a cup of coffee with the Bears. Yeah. He's floating around out there and he's gotten some looks from time to time. Again, Gary, in all likelihood, if you're on the street right now, there's, there's a reason you're, you're on the street. Um, but again, some of these guys and maybe just need a chance too, and, and they just haven't gotten one yet. And, and good has done his homework and, you know, he'll give a guy a chance maybe if he just doesn't trust Crosby enough, but in terms of, specific names Gary who's out there again I, I I apologize I haven't I haven't done that homework right now yeah you and, and you know what if anybody knows it's good to so I, I have total trust in that guy's ability to bring in players that could help him I, I mean he's done it on what several occasions already this season where he picked up guys that you you ask like who are they and lo and behold they they've helped this team so uh they they definitely got the right you know, GM to uh, make that call if he decides to make that call. So on a uh, more positive aspect to the Packers, uh, the Green Bay Packer offense uh, was found. It it had been MIA for much of the season, and uh, lo and behold, they showed up uh, in Minneapolis last Sunday. And um, as you alluded to before, I mean, this is – an offense that was basically unstoppable last year. Uh, they averaged like 31 points a game and uh, just a, a juggernaut. And, and this year they've sputtered. Uh, they rank 18th in offense and I think 17th in points at 22 or 23 a game. And that's almost like, you know, eight or nine fewer than last year. But uh, Sunday, I, I thought, hey, they, they finally got their act together. They mounted some very nice drives, particularly in the, in the uh, second half. And uh, do you think, Rob, that, hey, uh, this is the Packers offense that we are going to see going forward? I think there's a pretty good chance of it, Gary, although the injuries give you, you know, cause for concern. Now, the, the entire left side of the offensive line that they – they had envisioned Bakhtiari Jenkins and Myers at center, you know, is, is gone at this point in time. They'll, they'll go with Yash Nijman playing left tackle on, on a Sunday, Gary against, against the Rams Runyon stays at guard Patrick at center. I mean, that, that's a pretty dramatic decline at, at each, at each particular spot, but you know, Gary, even after Jenkins went out in that game, late third, early fourth, whatever that was, yeah. whatever point in that game, they, they continue to, to operate pretty darn efficiently uh, as an offense. I, I think the two series uh, after they lost Jenkins, Gary, that they, that they had, they, they scored a pair of touchdowns. The first four drives they had on Sunday, Gary yielded just three points. They, they, you know, that, that looked like the Packer offense. We've, we've kind of become accustomed to seeing here the last six or eight weeks where they struggled and sputtered. And then Gary, they absolutely got it going from that point forward and score touchdowns on four straight drives is, as I would say, LaFleur and Rogers absolutely kicked the nonsense out of Mike Zimmer from, from that point forward. I mean, those yep. Rogers was unbelievable. LaFleur was crisp in his play calling. They were in and out, in and out of the huddle in a hurry. You, you, you didn't see Rogers screwing around, taking his silly timeouts. Um, the, the offense just was in rhythm, Gary, and it rolled. You, you think to that first touchdown, Gary, they're losing 16-3 at the time, and, and they're moving late in the first half, and Rodgers gets flushed out of the pocket to his left, and he throws back across his body just a ridiculous 25-yard dart to DeGuara for the touchdown to make it 16-10. That, 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 to me, was one of Rodgers' top three, four, five throws of the season, and, yeah. and it really yeah, That was incredible, weird. wasn't it? Unbelievable throw. Yeah. You know, when – 
when, when, when you're going in, in that direction and then you have to throw back across your body and then he's going into traffic to a tight end who's never caught a touchdown pass, right? As a, right. As a pro, right. he's only got about a half a step on the linebacker there. I think it was Kendricks who was in coverage at, at that point in time. And he just zips a dart in there on the move again, across his body. You just, Gary, just normal humans don't make that throw. And you know, when, when he's got guys that say he's the best ever, sometimes I roll my eyes and because he's not, I mean, but throws like that are why he is in the discussion, you know, for top 10, 15, 20 quarterbacks in the history of this sport. I mean, it's, it's an all time throw by a hall of fame quarterback and, and Gary, I just, I thought that really got the offense going when, when he made that throw at that point in time, I just, I thought they were in sync and in rhythm from that point forward. He, you know, he hit Adams for a couple of touchdowns, one in the third, one in the fourth. And then he obviously hits MVS on, on the deep ball, the 75 yarder that uh, tied the game at 31 late in the fourth quarter, you know, Gary, they had on their last four drives, they ran 29 plays and had 319 yards, Gary. That's 11 yards a play. I mean, that's, that's absolutely unbelievable. And you're, you know, you're talking about a, a group that was averaging five, five and a half in most of these games, you know, so they doubled their output pretty much from, you know, the, eh, let's call it the last 35 minutes of that football game, Gary, you know, Rogers finishes with a passer rating of 148. It was his best since 2019. Um, first time Gary threw four touchdowns since the Lions game in week two. I mean, that's a long time for a guy like Aaron Rodgers to go without four touchdowns. Um, three, 385 yards, Gary, was his most in, I think, since that week seven game of 2019 against, against the Raiders. I mean, they still ran the ball okay. Not great, but okay with Dylan. And again, those guys up front, Gary, they're probably a little overmatched right now. You'd like two or three of those guys to, to just be backups most Sundays and, and not have to play 70 snaps, but man, they held their own as well. And, and that offense was humming Gary and they will get healthier. They, you know, I, I, I think there's a, it's probably not great. There's probably a 30% chance Aaron Jones is back Sunday. They'll start to get a couple of these linemen back. You would think at, at, at some point in time, Lazard should come back either this week or, or right after the bye. Now they'll not, they won't get Tunyon back obviously, and they won't get Jenkins back, but they're, they're going to get a couple more pieces back to that offense, Gary. And just, I don't know. I think the way they looked in that second half should, I know they lost the football game. I know they fell from the one seed to the two, um, which, which Packer nation cringes about and freaks out and things like that. But, but Gary, you look at their schedule over the last six weeks now, They've still got the three divisional games and they should win all three of those because Minnesota is in Lambeau and Chicago is in Lambeau. They have the Browns, Gary, and the Browns stink. I thought two, three months ago, the Browns game in Lambeau was going to be a dog fight. Now I think Green Bay is going to blow them out. Yeah. And then they've got the Rams and they've got the Ravens, Gary. And if they split those, they're going to be 13 and four, which is where most of us thought in the first place with this football team. And that's going to be right on the cusp of a one seed. You, you, you just have to see what everybody else does from this point forward. But Gary, I, I think they'll get things fixed on defense. I, I think that is probably going to be a hiccup more than, than becoming a norm. And, and if the offense Gary is even 80% of what it was yesterday, moving forward, that's a major step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I, I totally concur. You uh, beat me to the punch about the offense lineman. Runyon has done what Newman has done, what Patrick has done, what Ninjman has done, what the offense line coaches have done is remarkable. When you have right now, what was it? Four new faces, basically, you know, from, from last season, your offensive line and they produce at the level they did in the second half. I mean, that's remarkable. I mean, just remarkable. Yeah, you think that one of them would break down or two of them would break down, and they, they, they've done more than an adequate job of uh, keeping the, the Packers afloat on offense. Gary, I mean, it really is remarkable. That, you know, they're to, 
they're not just losing a bunch of Joes here along the way. I mean, exactly. They, they lost the best left tackle in football. They lost the best left guard now in football, even though the left guard, you know, was playing left tackle. They have lost a center Gary who was going to be on the all rookie team. No doubt about it. Yep. And, and playing probably at a level Gary, when he went down where he, I know nobody knows his name. I know he's in his first season. He's a rookie. And, and typically you don't get recognized for pro bowls and stuff like that as a rookie. But I bet you he would have been a Pro Bowl alternate there the way he was playing in Josh Myers. And and, yep. I, and I know they, they, they're they still optimistic they'll get him back at, at some point in time. So, I mean, you're, you're losing three guys there, Gary, that, you know, two are bona fide clear-cut Pro Bowlers and another one's going to go there at some point in his career if sure. he can stay healthy. You know, yeah. again, you're, you're not just losing, you know, random guys. You're, you're losing absolute studs. I mean, Gary, when you think about it across the board – you know, those three guys right there, a top five corner, a top three corner in Jair Alexander, you know, your, your best pass rusher for the last two years in Zadarius Smith, Gary, the Packers had seven guys in the pro bowl last year. The only two that are still healthy at this point in time are Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers is playing on a toll. That looks pretty bad. Um, you know, and, and Adams has missed a little bit of time through the season as well. So again, I, I mean, I, I will say this, Gary, if, if you would have told me back in September, all these guys, they, they were going to lose along the way here, all the injuries they were going to have, and not just injuries to average, average football players either, Gary, you know, five of their top eight, right? Six of their top 12, whatever number you want to put on it. I mean, guys at the absolute top, top, top of the roster, and they were still going to be eight and three and sitting in the two hole. Um, you know, with six weeks left in the season, I might've told you you're nuts. Yeah. 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 You know, Rob, I, I have never, ever seen a team decimated by injuries to so many key players in, in all these years. And I'm not only talking about the Packers, I'm talking about any team in the NFL. I mean, you'll see guys lose two or three, but as you pointed out, five of the seven pro bowl players, I mean, you know, realistically, they should be in the hunt for the number one pick. <laughs> now, again, the fact they've had the quarterback for 10 of 11 weeks. Yep. Had, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've had this conversation with general managers, Gary, through the years where I've said, you know, would you rather lose a Pro Bowl corner, linebacker, and tackle or lose, or lose your quarterback, let's say? Yeah. And they yeah. all say I'd rather lose those other three players. Just oh, no I, question. You know, no as question. long as the quarterback is whatever Rogers or Favre or, you know, Brady or Mahomes or somebody like that. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's obviously, you know, somebody like a Jared Goff, you'd rather lose the quarterback, but um, yeah, I know it's, you know, so, so the fact they haven't lost Rogers outside the one week Gary where he had to sit due to COVID was uh, you know, that that's obviously been huge for them, but it's absolutely crazy. Gary, you, you, you see teams every year lose, five, six, eight, 10 guys, but so rarely are they the elite, elite players on, on your football team. You know, like I said here, Gary, I mean, if, if we're ranking the Packers one to 53 back when you put out that roster in September, I mean, I'm probably putting Zadarius Smith at three or four Jair Alexander's probably around five Gary. Yep. You know, on a, on a normal year where Bakhtiari's healthy, he's up there in that four to seven range. You know, he, he was a little bit of a question mark, obviously, this year coming coming off that knee, so you wouldn't have ranked him nearly as high. But on a given year, you know, he, he's a top five player on your roster. Uh, Aaron Jones is a top seven or eight guy on on your roster, and he he's out right now. Elton Jenkins is a top ten. He might be a top six or eight player on your roster, Gary. You know, Tunyon, you'd put him at maybe 15 after last year, right? When he caught 11 touchdowns yeah. and 50 plus footballs. Um, I might be missing somebody here too, Gary. I, I, I think I got them all. You know, Myers, you would have put in your top 20. You, whatever the numbers are there, Gary, you want to put on it. I think I just listed seven or eight that you would easily put inside your, you know, top 15 to 18 players, let's say on your roster. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. They've survived. And all these people, Gary, that, want to pile on Gutekunst for various things and absolutely clueless just just clueless is as, as, as absolutely 
as, as big a nonsense as you'll find. Gary, I, you, you could easily make a case that this is the deepest roster in football. And I'm telling you, if, if, if they find a way, Gary, to, you know, let's say be the one or the two seed with all these injuries when this is all said and done, he's got to be in the top two, three for executive of the year, not only for putting together a roster that deep, but for navigating this season with Aaron Rodgers, right? And because that 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 that's certainly not an easy an easy ask of the general manager either, who who had to swallow his pride and um, you know make some adjustments in terms of how he does business, like making a trade for Randall Cobb to to keep the quarterback happy. So um, I, I I think Packer Nation Gary probably should should look a little bit closer at, at how good they have it right now with with this current GM. And really with the head coach too. And you and I have talked about Matt LaFleur a lot down here, yeah. but, but the duo Gary, the combination really works well together. You know, I, I watched Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys yesterday, Gary, they had two, three injuries. Um, they were losing. They, they, they lost a stud wide receiver. They lost a couple of tackles and Mike McCarthy, Gary, who's been in this league forever. And, and, and Dak Prescott, who I'm told is an elite quarterback, put up nine points against the God awful Kansas city defense. It looked like they had never played offense a day in their life. And, and now you flip it over and you watch green Bay in that Minnesota game, Gary, and they've got guys out all over the field and they put up 31 points, um, you know, against a Vikings team and really a Vikings defense that uh, up until yesterday, Gary was certainly better than Kansas city. So, you know, my, my point there is, over the last three years here, Green Bay has taken a major step forward in, to, in terms of who they have as head coach. Um, the late Ted Thompson was removed from, from his position in the organization, Gary, about a year, maybe two years too late. He was, he was really not fit to do his job the last year or two. Um, and since they put in Brian Gutekunst, he's done a remarkable job rebuilding and reshaping that roster and, and getting it to where it is today. And, and Gary, the fact, you know, that we'll bring it all back to where we started here with all these injuries. The fact they've been able to withstand these injuries to me is, is one of the most, the, the more amazing stories of, of the 2021 national football league season. Yeah. You know, I, I've been following the Packers since I was a kid, you know, in the mid sixties and obviously the Lombardi era and there have been, you know, Plenty of good teams, obviously, since then. But I'll tell you what, Rob, this is one of the most fascinating and intriguing Packers seasons I, I can remember. I mean, it, this has just been an absolute delight to watch. I mean, like you had mentioned, all the injuries, yet they've overcome them. Um, you know, the Rodgers situation at the beginning of the season, Rodgers situation in the middle of the season it's just been absolutely fun to watch. Yeah. Gary, I don't remember a season even close to this in terms of, you know, storylines, right. The drama, yeah. the intrigue, you know, just, just everything off the field. They haven't had anything like that. You know, I mean, Favre was a little bit like that, you know, through some of his later years, but he typically had his mind made up by March and, and his drama was over, you know, certainly before we hit the spring, most years Rogers went till, you know, the opening day of training camp, will he, won't he uh, show up or not? Like you said, you know, he lies about the vaccination. He, you know, he, he, he sits out the game in Kansas city due to, due to the COVID protocols, Gary, all, all the injuries that they've had. And, and here they are still eight and three, probably the most resilient team in, in the national football league. It's, you know, it, it's got to eat them up inside the building and, yeah, they'll all say the right things, Gary, at the podium, at the microphone, next man up, this and that. And, you know, we have faith in this guy to replace this guy. And, you know, we, we don't expect to miss a beat when, when Joe goes in for gym or whatever. But, Gary, if this team was at full strength, if this team was entirely healthy, I mean, are we talking, what, 10-1, and 11-0? This, yeah. this, is, this is an outstanding football team when, when – I mean, it's, it's a very good football team the way it is now, Gary. I mean, I, I think it's the class of the league. And, and again, it, it's a sport. Let's be honest. You're going to lose starters. And, but, but not to this level in terms of, you know, pro bowlers and, and your, your elite, elite talent. You know, give, a, give this team even back Alexander, Bakhtiari, 
Tunyon and Zadarius Smith. And I think we're talking 10 and one Gary. Now the good news for green Bay is I, I don't remember a year, Gary, in quite some time where, where things appear to be so wide open. Um, I think the AFC is not, is terrible um, yeah. in terms of who's going to emerge from there. Heck, it might be New England. It might be Kansas City. Now. It, they're, it they're might not, be New right? England. You're right. I mean, it, it may be. I, I wouldn't bet against that head coach. Nope. And the NFC, Gary, is, is wide open with those five teams fighting for the top spot. So, you know, Gary, even though Green Bay has had to battle all this adversity, here we are, six weeks to go. They're right in it. So we'll see. You know, uh, when, when Tunyon went down, I thought, okay, what, what a blow that would be. And all of a sudden, Josiah DeGuara steps in. And, and I'll tell you what, Rob, I, I'm really intrigued by this young man. He was their third-round pick in uh, last year's draft. And it seems like quietly but surely he's getting better every week. And I think he's had like two catches in each of the last four games. And to me – this guy has to become more involved in the offense, especially when it comes to the playoffs, because, you know, teams are going to focus all their attention on Devonte Adams and shut him down. And that's where tight ends come into play. And um, I, I like what I see. I, I think he's got a, a real chance to uh, help this team come postseason. Gary, it reminds me a little bit of 2010 when, when Finley went down and Andrew Corliss kind of stepped up. Not yes, yes. Not a great player. Not a great ta- talent by any means. Corliss, that is. Yeah. I mean, there. <clears throat> excuse me. There was a significant drop, just in talent from you know a guy like Finley who who ran among, you know, the top three times for a tight end in football, versus a guy like Corliss, you know, who was just kind of a, a grinder, you know, bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy. Gary the is just you know he. He's a guy who can play some fullback. You know, he, he, he can stay in as a blocker, and, and he's pretty darn good at that. Um, he can go out in, in the pass game and, and help you there. He's kind of a moving chess piece for Matt, for Matt LaFleur. He can use him in a lot of different ways. Um, it's, it's clearly a drop from Tunyon, let, let's be honest. I mean, T- Tunyon runs better. Um, he, had, he had developed a terrific chemistry with Rodgers. Um, at, at least a year ago, he did Gary. He was asked to block a little more this year, especially in those games when, when Jenkins was out, uh, for those three weeks earlier in the year, but, but Tunyon is, is a more gifted natural tight end pass catcher than DeGuara is, but DeGuara does, does have a lot of really intriguing traits, Gary, and he can help them in a lot of different ways. And, and you saw that on Sunday when he caught his first touchdown, he never gave up on that route. Rogers held that ball, Gary, about six seconds before he let it go. And DeGuara never gave up on that route. And he came right to left and he worked his way free in that left corner of the end zone. And Rogers fired a dart to hit him on that touchdown pass. You're right, Gary. They're going to need uh, something out of him moving forward. I think their bigger X factor, and this worries me, um, or it should at least worry Packer Nation, because it's probably the most inconsistent X factor on the planet is Marquez Valdez Scantling. But, yes, absolutely. you know, Gary, like, like you mentioned, Gary, teams are going to put so much attention and focus so much of their defensive game plans on Devonte Adams. Um, and Minnesota did that at length yesterday. And whenever that happens, Gary, MVS is sitting alone there one-on-one with somebody and, and when you run a 4 2 eight or whatever MVS runs these days, it's not much over 4-3, I'll tell you that, Gary. Um, you, you, you should win the overwhelming majority of your matchups. And, and he did on the 75-yard touchdown that tied the game at 31, where he beat Xavier Rhodes deep across the middle. I mean, that was, that was as, as perfect as you can throw a football, and MVS ran his route terrifically. Gary, MVS had four catches yesterday, okay? Yeah. How many times do you think Rogers threw the ball in his direction? How Four many times. targets? Four times. It was actually 10, Gary. 10? 10 targets, four wow. catches. And Gary, that's the norm. I went back to MVS and looked at MVS's career, and that's about his catch rate uh, when he's targeted, um, is about 40%. It's, 
And you've got guys like Adams and Cobb who are closer to 70 and where you just know they're consistent, they're reliable. You throw them the ball, you target them, they're going to catch the damn ball. And yeah. that does not happen with MVS. Either he and Rodgers um, are on the wrong page, either, either they fail to connect a lot of times on deep balls, whether that's the quarterback's fault or the wide receivers, it, it, I guess is certainly subjective. Um, or as we've seen through many times, Gary, through the course of his four years in Green Bay, MVS simply drops the football. But I'll tell you, Gary, I think he's the key to that offense moving forward because you saw yesterday in Minnesota how much room he can clear for those other guys when they have to respect him over the top. Things started opening up for Adams. Things started opening up for Equinemia St. Brown of all people. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, things just started opening up for the offense and they need MVS to do that Gary on a consistent week to week basis. The problem is when they have asked him to do that in his time in green Bay and do it consistently, he'll give it to you one week, Gary, and he'll absolutely crap the bed the next week. That's who MVS is. It's who he's always been. And so if, if, if they're expecting him, Gary, to do that week in and week out moving forward, somewhere along the way, they're probably going to get stung in the backside. You know, the other thing I was going to bring up before when we were talking about how this is like one of the most fascinating seasons in, 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 in Packer history. Yesterday, uh, a guy named, correct me if I pronounce this right, Taipa Galay. Is that right, Taipa Galay? Yep, Taipa Galay, yep. It's like I'm watching the game, and obviously I'm not all over the Packers beat like you are. And I go, well, where did this guy come from? <laughs> and and he actually made some nice plays. I mean, you know, it wasn't like he was out there and getting blown away all the time. He, he was a factor. I mean, another example of, of Gutekunst finding guys that, you know, nobody has ever heard of. Well, you're right, Gary. You know, practice squad player who they bring up for the game because they're absolutely, you know, beat to heck at, at outside linebacker. And, you know, they make the decision. And I think it's a good decision, Gary, you know, to, to sit Rashawn Gary with that dislocated elbow at some yeah. point in time, it sounds like he's going to strap it up with some type of brace and try to go. Uh, that's going to be incredibly hard. So now if you're the Packers, Gary, you know, you're down at least on paper. Uh, you're, I, I would argue you're probably second most, important defensive player this year. I, I would say Campbell has been their defensive MVP and now Rashawn Gary might be two. With I'll, what th I'll throw Kenny Clark into the mix. And Kenny Clark's got to be in there too. Yeah. Kenny. Yeah. Cause you're, you're absolutely right. Clark week in and week out. And the, certainly yesterday was, was outstanding again, you know, but so Gary's one of your three best defensive mm -hmm. players this year, uh, Gary, and, and you're missing Zadarius Smith. So you're really down to Preston Smith and Garvin and, and, you know, and, and they bring a layup from the, from the practice squad. You're right, Gary. I, you know, I think he had two, three tackles. He didn't have anything for loss. He didn't have any sacks, but he made a couple of really nice plays in the open field. And Gary, he's really just the latest guy like that, right? Who, yeah. They, yeah. who they take and they plug and play and, you know, whether, whether it's Chris Barnes or um, Rasul Douglas or, you know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of these guys, Lucas Patrick moving over to center, right? Like, like we touched on, you know, DeGuara, Patrick Taylor at running back did a few nice things yesterday. I mean, there's, there's guys like this kind of dotted all over the roster and, and it's part of what's making this such a unique, fascinating, fun season is these guys just coming out of nowhere, coming out of the woodwork, you know, and, and making plays and, um, it does give you hope, Gary, and concern if you're a Packer fan, which most people I think who listen to our podcast are, because at some point in time, they are going to get healthier. They're going to get a handful of these guys back. And, and that should be the kind of football team then that can, that can challenge inside and, and try to win the NFC. Gary, I, I think if they stay the way they are, the way they're currently constructed and they're down all these starters, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to run through the NFC, which I think is, is a loaded conference. Yep. You know, if, if they've got, if they've got to find a way in the playoffs, Gary, to, 
you know, to be, to be Tom Brady, to beat Kyler Murray, potentially again, to beat Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, whoever it turns out to be Gary, two, three of those guys. And, and they have this wounded roster without seven, eight, nine, ten preferred starters. It's going to be really tough. But, but Gary, if they can catch some luck on the injury injury front and not suffer any major losses in Sunday's game against the Rams, if they can start getting some bodies back after the bye week, I think this team's got a real chance, Gary, to make a run still in the NFC. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Of, of all the major injuries the Packers have uh, incurred this season, Rob, what do you think is maybe the most damaging the one player perhaps that they absolutely have to have back to make a, a push for the Super Bowl. My candidate is Zaire Alexander. To, to me, if you don't have Alexander, you're going to have some trouble. I mean, you got Arizona, Tampa Bay, and the Rams, they all got potent passing attacks. And as good as that secondary has played this year, you just can't have weak, weak, weak links. And if you bring Alexander back, I think that solidifies that secondary immensely. I'm with you a thousand percent, Gary. He's the guy. He, he, if, if you're ranking these guys who they need to come back, he is at the absolute top of the list. I'll tell you what, Justin Jefferson doesn't go for eight, 169 and two touchdowns. Exactly. In exactly. Sunday's game, yep. and Jair Alexander is shadowing him. You know, versus a guy like Stokes or, or you're, you know, you, you, you're just playing your side of the field and he gets the matchups that he wants. And, and, and Green Bay is going to see people like that, Gary, in, in, in the postseason, whether, you know, whether it's Cooper Cup and the Rams, whether it's, you know, Tampa and their bevy of wide receivers, right? Whether it's, whether it's Lamb with the Cowboys, Cooper with the Cowboys, whoever it turns out to be, Gary. Green Bay needs Alexander. I think they've got enough pass rush if, Yep. If Gary makes it back um, and, and, and they've proved that Gary, they were in the top 10 for sacks uh, up until the point in time where Rashawn Gary went, went down for the season. And, and that was getting absolutely nothing out of Zadaria Smith. I do think they have enough pass rushers uh, Gary to, to as, as long as they don't suffer any more injuries. I, th- I think the combo of Preston Smith and, and Rashawn Gary is, is good enough. I think Gary, when Alexander is missing, They've, they've got decent cornerbacks. They don't have a bonafide number one yet. Stokes may rise to that level at some point in his career. He's still young, though, and, and teams are going to try to pick on him and work him when he's lined up with number one wide receivers. We know by now in, in year five, Kevin King isn't, and he never will be a number one corner. He can be a two, maybe a three. Um, you know, Douglas is a solid player. Um, he's, he's played really well here in Green Bay. He's a two or a three. Sullivan's a nickel. So Gary, it's almost like it's almost like a major league pitching staff going to the postseason with a bunch of twos, and now you've got to try to line up your your rotation right to to knock off the Dodgers and all their ones or something like that yeah, in, yeah. in a playoff series, right? Good luck with that. That's it's probably just not going to happen, right? You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna beat Walter Bueller that way. It, 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 there there's no doubt to me. Gary, that Jair Alexander is, is, is the key to, to, to their injuries moving forward. I just wonder, Gary, it, what, what kind of Alexander are we going to see if and when he can make it back? Yeah. You know, what, what level is, is, you know, what, how is that shoulder going to be? Can he tackle anybody? Is he out there more or less just to cover? I mean, if that's the case, Gary, teams are going to get smart real quick and throw short, throw short, quick little ones and little passes and, and make him come up and, and, and make the tackle. But, uh, but Gary, if they can get him back to even 80%, 90% of where he was, that's the guy you want back for the postseason. No doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. You know, the uh, bye couldn't come at a, at a better time though, Rob. I mean, you know, it gives them two weeks to really rest up. And, and like you said, with Zedaria Smith, with Alexander Bakhtiari, two weeks is a long time in the NFL. And uh, that, that could be a blessing, uh, certainly for the Packers. Hey, uh, one other topic I, I wanted to uh, address with you is Jonathan Taylor, the former University of Wisconsin star. And if you watch Jonathan Taylor uh, play for the Badgers, you knew he was going to be a pretty darn good NFL player. But uh, this year, he has exceeded anything I think even a diehard Badger fan would have expected him. The, the guy is absolutely 
absolutely on fire. He's uh, leading the NFL in rushing. And uh, Rob, as you well know, he had five touchdowns on Sunday. Um, I think he's averaging, if I'm not mistaken, give, give me a yard or two on this, 131 yards in his last five games. I mean, I'm, the guy, as I said before, is on fire. Did you see this coming? No, no. I, I thought he was going to be a good pro, Gary. Um, I didn't think he'd be in the discussion for NFL MVP. And that's yeah. where he is right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> the Colts have come out of nowhere now. Rough start. I think they were one and four. Now they're six and five. And Taylor's been the key, just the, to absolute key to that turnaround. They've won three in a row. Blew out Buffalo yesterday in Buffalo. I mean, Gary, he's averaging 5.8 yards a carry. You know, wow. I, it, it's it's as good of a blocking line that the Colts have as as the NFL has. It, it's almost like he's still running behind his his buddies from Wisconsin. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and those guys that clear holes all those years for him. But but let's not let's not take anything away from him either. He has quickly become an elite elite running back in this league. Um, maybe the best there is right now with, with Henry being hurt, Gary, I think he's five of his last six games, I think are plus plus a hundred yards that that yes. one eighty five that, that yep. he had on Sunday, I think, I think was a career high. I mean, he, he's gotten red hot and, and that general manager is a university of Wisconsin graduate, a really smart guy named uh, Chris Ballard who played on Badger teams in the early nineties sure. under Barry Alvarez. And, and, you know, he had to love, to love taking his boy, JT, the, the Wisconsin guy. And um, man, he is, he has delivered in, in every way, shape and form possible. Gary, again, there was, there was kind of a crowded house of, of running backs when, when he showed up there last year with, with Marlon Mack and, and Hines and, and some pretty good players. And he had to fight and scrap even, you know, you know, for, for carries and to become the guy. And, and now that he's become the guy, man, Gary, I mean, he's, he's as good as this league has right now. I, I was having this conversation with somebody over the weekend, Gary, just the great running backs over the last 25 or 30 years, you know, at Wisconsin and, and how you would rank them. Yeah. And, that's a great question. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I've always, I, I mean, I know Ron Day and Juana Heisman and people will argue he's the all time leading rusher. And, you know, even though the stats are, you know, the NCAA doesn't recognize it that way, the all time leading rusher uh, in NCAA history uh, because they didn't count his bowl games. But, but Gary, my guy was always Melvin Gordon. I just, I thought Melvin Gordon was so unique and, and so dynamic and so special. And, and JT and Dane were right there maybe at, at number two. And you, you could throw guys into the discussion, right? Like Monty Ball and James the, White, James White and, and Michael Bennett and, and yep. Gary, even, even guys like Moss and Fletcher. And, you know, yeah. I, know I know Moss's life kind of went in the wrong direction, but Fletcher was a 10 year pro and, James White has carved out this ridiculous, you know, career. And I mean, Corey Clemens won a Super Bowl and was a good back in Wisconsin for a while. I mean, Gary, the list goes on and on, but Johnny the, way Clay. Taylor, the way Taylor's going, <laughs> Gary, you know, he Taylor's going to elevate to the top of that list because yep. what he also does is doing in, in the national football league. Now, Melvin Gordon had a nice start to his career too, but nothing quite like this. And you know what, we'll see where Taylor goes from here, Gary, but man, right now he, he's probably the best running back in football. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question about that at this point. And um, th this, this is a true story, Rob, prior to the draft two years ago, uh, I, I talked to an NFL scouting director. Okay. And specifically about Taylor and he goes, you know, the value of running backs is diminished and, and I got it. And uh, he said, you know what? He, he could go late first round, maybe early second round. And I said, yeah, you know, that's, that's just the way it is now in the NFL. I mean, with running backs, you know, I mean, that's the modus operandi. And then he goes, but I'll tell you what, Gary, he goes, I have him ranked as the number one player in the draft. Oh the my number, God. number one player in the draft. That's how high this guy was on Jonathan Taylor. And, and that came after the combine. Because, you know, as you recall, some people had questions about his speed, right? But uh, when he did, what he did at the combine just solidified this guy's opinion of John, John, Jonathan Taylor. So 
He, he yeah, certainly. You, you, remember, you remember he went to the combine. You and I were there that year together, or we we were down there at the same time. The last time we had a combine, he ran a four three nine down there. Yes, yes. And uh, but I mean, this guy was saying not only that. I mean that that sealed his opinion of of Taylor, but he loved the way Taylor accelerated once once he you know got through the initial line that he would t- you know crank it in gear and take it to another level and uh obviously toughness and, and so forth but uh, you know when, when he said the number one guy in the draft i'm thinking like okay that that's a stretch i mean a real stretch but right now if you uh redid the uh, draft he'd be right up there so that's the draft where joe burrow went one gary i think chase young went two Justin yeah. Herbert, I know, was in that draft. So That's a hell of a draft. He'd be in the discussion, I think, right now for for the first pick. Tua was in that draft, and he he's been a little bit of a disappointment. I'm I some of the other top players this escape. Justin Jefferson, Gary would have obviously been in that draft. He's a second year guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean Taylor's probably a top you know top five six pick in that draft. You know, player at least how they've at, at how they've started their career. You know maybe higher it i i still don't see the position of running back changing gary i i still don't think you know the these gms are gonna all of a sudden take somebody like let's say braylon allen at wisconsin right now in yeah. two years i don't what think a he's player. a top 10 pick even though even though he he might turn out to be the best of all these badger backs yeah right yeah, that, exactly that, that that we've been in, in the middle of talking about but you know we're i just i i think everybody thinks they can just plug in the next guy for the most part. And, and, and Gary here, I, I, I just Googled it really quickly. Think about this taken before Jonathan Taylor in that draft were the running backs, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, right. Who was yeah. the last pick of the first round of the chiefs. He yeah. was the first running back taken in that draft. The lions took Deandre Swift who's off to a decent start in yeah. his career. Just unfortunate for him. He's in Detroit. And, uh, and then Jonathan Taylor was the third back. So, yeah, man, man, you know, I, I know there were, there, there were questions, concerns. Could he hold up physically the fumbling part of things? He, you know, he was a fumbler a little bit at Wisconsin, man, Gary, if, 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 if anybody had any doubts about that guy physically and then what he could, you know, what he could do from a speed standpoint, they, they should have been answered in Indy, um, at the combine that is. And, and now, he's obviously answered them, you know, during his time with the Colts. It's a, it's an awesome story for Badger fans like myself, Gary, to to watch that guy run wild because everybody I've ever talked to about him too has, has said he's, a, he's as good, if not better of a human than, as he is a, as he is a running back. So you like to see really good things like that happen to good people. You know, I, I, I can echo those sentiments because I, I actually interviewed him uh, for my website, Wolfold's Press Box, you know, prior to the draft. And he, he called, you know, I, he said he was going to call me. I forgot what it was, like 2 o'clock. He called me right at 2 o'clock. I mean, he was just <laughs> very punctual, right? And we were on the phone probably about 20, 30 minutes, and he couldn't have been nicer. I, I mean, I was thoroughly impressed uh, with him as a person as well. So, hey, um, we got about two minutes here. Any thoughts, and I'm sure you do, <laughs> on the Rams game Sunday? Uh, you know, on paper, it looks like a huge game. It's going to have playoff implications. The Rams, though, have lost two straight games, granted to two good teams. And I know everybody around uh, the, the National Football League is going gaga over the Rams. I'm not sold on those guys. I know they got some high-profile names, especially in defense. They got a great player seemingly at every level. but um, I've never been a big Beckham fan and I, I talked to some NFL people and, and they're down in Beckham that, you know, he's physically, he's very talented, but he's a me player, very, very selfish. And I'm curious how that's going to fit in. And then, uh, Von Miller is banged up. He's not the Von Miller that we saw, you know, for the last how many years, uh, play at that elite level. Um, but again, at least on paper, this, this looks like a great matchup. I agree, Gary, before we get to Sunday though, I just, I want to take us, uh, just on, on a, on a quick left-hand turn to Thursday and, okay. and I want to implore the NFL here 
Oh, that's this, right. We can't forget about uh, Thanksgiving Day. Gary, the yeah. absolute last time we have to watch the Detroit Lions at 11:30 on a Thursday of Thanksgiving. Gary, we're 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 all trying our best to avoid as much as many members of our family as possible typically during a long holiday like that. And, and football is supposed to be our avenue yeah. to avoid the family, Gary, right? You, exactly. You find, it, you, you find the TV so you don't have to talk to Uncle Charlie and, and, Aunt, and Aunt Lily and, uh, and, and, you, and you lock it down. And, and Gary, for, for them to punish America year after year after year with these dreadful Detroit Lions, I am imploring Roger Goodell and the National Football League to make this the last time. Tradition be damned. Enough of this tradition, Gary. I mean, I, 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 I typically respect tradition, but enough already. I, I, I we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Tim Boyle and Jamal Williams, Gary, on on Thanksgiving. Try to beat the Chicago Bears. Enough. All right. So that's oh, my no. rant. That's yeah, my no, rant, no. I mean, Gary. you're absolutely right. I mean, they should have a flex game for Thanksgiving. And I know they don't want to alienate, you know, any team in the NFL, but they, they got to somehow figure out a better way to get a marquee matchup. Now, having said that, they'll still have great ratings. It's the NFL. I mean, by the way, did you see that uh, story that came out last week of the top 50 programs since the start of the NFL season? Did you see that by any chance? I, I did not. You're talking the top 50 programs on – most viewed, uh, most viewed oh, programs, yeah. On, oh, on network TV? Correct. Okay. Guess how many games were NFL games out of those 50 most watched television shows? Here's 17. my weekly question for you, Rob. Yeah, that's a, that's a, this is a great one. You, you, you know, you got me good, I think, on this one. I'm, I'm just – I don't watch any other television anymore, Gary. I just – life's too crazy. So I'm trying – I don't know what's good that's on. Uh, but I'm going to guess about a third. I'm going to say 17. Put it this way. You are not alone in watching only NFL football. 48. <laughs> 48 of the 50. Yes. Most viewed television <laughs> programs since, since the start of the season. Okay. That is unbelievable. And it's uh, unbelievably awesome. Wow. It, it just tells you about the uh, power and the, and the, and the interest of the NFL right now. Uh, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. No, it, it, Gary, it just shows you what goes on off the field. You know, no, nothing can put a dent in that league, can it? Absolutely no, nothing. No, nothing. So, hey, just uh, quick observations on the Rams. Yep. You know. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. We'll we'll, we'll go there quick. Um, the storyline between the head coaches, Gary, is fascinating. They're they're best of pals. They want to beat each other desperately. Um, a, a lot of what Matt Matt Lafleur does is stolen from Sean McVay uh, from their time together and. Um, I, heck, I think a lot of what McVeigh uses is, is probably stuff Lafleur helped him put in at one point or another. So that that's an intriguing, fascinating matchup that the, these two buddies are going going head to head. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Gary. I think OBJ uh, is is probably on about hole sixteen of that eighteen hole career. I, I don't think he has a whole lot left. The Rams were desperate though. Um, they they had suffered some injuries. They, they moved on from Deshaun Jackson. They had to do something to get, to get Cooper cup some help. And, and they did, and, and we'll see how this plays itself out. Um, you know, Gary, I I've had a love affair with Matt Stafford for a long, long time. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I thought for a decade, he was the most underrated player in the league. This is really his chance to prove it that these are the games that the Rams traded, you know, the, the, you, yep. you trade for a guy yep. like Matt Stafford for a game like Sunday to go to Lambeau field and to find a way to steal a win. Cause you know, you can't do it with Jared Goff. Can you do it with Matthew Stafford? This is why you gave up the farm to go and get this guy. This is why you're paying Jared Goff to be in Detroit is for a game like Sunday. I'm fascinated to see what Matthew Stafford does in that game. You know, Gary, Aaron, Aaron Donald's a, a, a guy, uh, you know, Packer nation, should should keep the binoculars on him all game long Sunday. He he's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the greats that, that we've seen in this league over the last 25 years. When when the Rams came to Green Bay last year, Gary for the playoffs, 
Donald was about 50% of, of a normal Aaron Donald because he was beat up and injured and he tried to play and suck it up and, and gut it through that game and couldn't do it. He's healthy now, Gary. They've got other pass rushers around him. Green Bay's line, as we've talked about, is beat up. This, this is a really scary game if you're Aaron Rodgers to have Aaron Donald in your face probably eight, ten times in the course of that football game. Um, Gary, I'm with you, though. I'm not totally buying in on the Rams. I'm not sold on them uh, whatsoever. I think Green Bay finds a way to win and gets to the bye at nine and three and comes out refreshed and rejuvenated for a, for a big-time run. I'm, I'm going to say something like 27-20 Packers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is unbelievable. That's exactly the score I had for my prediction. <laughs> 27 to 20. And Great minds, baby. Great minds. <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's circle back on that next week. <laughs> if they lose 27 to 20, but All uh, right. at, 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 at least mid-level minds, right? Yes, exactly. No, that <laughs> I, I'm telling you though, Rob, if, if they ever have the ultimate Packer trivia contest, you're going to be my partner partner. <laughs> well, so, some really good stuff today, uh, you know, very enlightening information. And as usual, thank you very much for uh, being with me tonight. And I also want to thank our fans as well. So take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle's Press Box.com. <laughs>